0: This is a reading of the Beis Halevi's essay on Betachon, in English, but skipping all Ma'ar Number one, Betachon is an obligation. The obligation of Betachon appears in many psukim, too many to count, and if one lacks Betachon, it's regarded as a great sin. Number two, not having Betachon in Hashem is in itself the cause of downfall. The sin itself can cause himself to fall. When a person trembles in fear of something, rather than relying on Hashem, this itself causes a snare, one that did not exist previously, to be placed in front of him regarding the very matter that he feared. But one who relies on Hashem will be fortified, that he will be saved even from a problem that already exists. Number three. One who has betachan and is not fearful cannot be harmed. The Rambam in his Count of Mitzvahs states a negative commandment, including this among the negative commandments. One who is afraid during battle violates this negative commandment. If a person did have fear before going into battle, he turns back from the regiments going out to war, and he would not participate in combat. As the Torah states, Who is the man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house. For since he is fearful, he is liable to be captured, God forbid, because of this very fear. For Israel's wars were not fought and won through their might, rather through their betochen. Number 4. Fear of flesh and blood is the result of forgetting Hashem. If a person would consider that everything that is found in the world is all from Hashem, and no creature has the ability to change his decree, neither to add to it or to diminish it by even as little as the point of a needle, nor does any creature have the power to make any decree occur even a single moment earlier or a single moment later than he wills. He would understand that he need not fear any person. Number five, relying on employing one's tormentor for mercy is comparable to a battered person tearfully begging for mercy from the rod and the cane that beat him. Even at a time when one's person is harmfully dominated over by another, he should understand that everything is from Hashem, and the man who is harming him is merely the rod which Hashem punishes those who are liable. Accordingly, when a man who has, who has been harmed seeks strategies and implores his pursuer for mercy, and does not take it to heart to seek, to seek Hashem, it is comparable to a person being hit with a rod or a staff who cries and redoubles his pleas to the rod and to the staff, instead of directing them to the person wielding these weapons. And there is no foolishness greater than this. The man is a symbol for all time. Similarly, in the matter of a person's sustenance, all of his knowledge and eshtabas will not help him at all to gain more than what was decreed by Hashem for him. This is comparable to what the Pasek says, and whoever took more had nothing extra, and whoever took less had nothing lacking. And the mun was a sign for all generations that a person's efforts will not help him whatsoever to get more than what Hashem decreed for him. Number seven, not only is striving futile, it can sometimes produce the opposite effect. Not only is expending his to increase one's allotted portion futile, but sometimes it can actually bring about the opposite result. Every person can see clearly that at various times, not only did his ashtalas not help him at all, but to the contrary, it was even detriment, and it turned out that he made it worse for himself through his excursion. The idea is, like the Pusik says, that they hatch Adler's eggs and weave spider webs. Whoever eats of the eggs will die, and when the eggs are crushed, a viper is hatched. It compares the effort of human beings to, the one, to one who collects eggs for his food and he heats them up in order that chickens should emerge from them for him to eat. Yet, after all his exertion, it turns out that the eggs were from a snake or a viper, and the snake came out of them to harm him. The same applies to matters of medicine. We very often see that a doctor errs in the nature of the illness that he's treating, and consequently, not only does he not improve matters for this, f- through his actions, but to the contrary, he makes things even worse. Number eight. How can one rely on striving for more without knowing if it's for his benefit? If so, how can a human being rely on his own efforts since he has no inkling whether or not it will benefit him? Number nine, betachan must be established in the heart, not something he merely says. If a person relies on his own efforts, how much more greater should his embarrassment be, considering that three times each day in Shmonasri, he says, sustaining the living with kindness supports the fallen and heals the sick. Yet he does not become confirmed in his heart and clear in his belief, to the point that when some minor issue comes along, he forgets everything he asserted in his prayers every day and excludes, and exclusively pursues his own eshtablas. God forbid this person is in the category that the prophet said, with his mouth and with his lips he has honored me, but he has distanced me from his heart. Number 10. One who relies on flesh and blood is included in the prophet's curse. The following two shall a person take to heart one who places in his reliance on flesh and blood. Aside from the fact that it doesn't help, as the Pusik says, but how great is his foolishness, and how can it be deemed proper in his eyes to bring upon him a curse from the mouth of the prophets, the damage of which is certain and evident. As the result of his having confidence in a human being, which is futile and which certainly did not help him at all, thus he will end up suffering a double loss. First, he will not achieve his aim in this world. And second, he will be punished in the world to come for the sin that he committed. Hence, he will have harmed himself in both worlds for the sake of a phantom and not-helping thing of relying on man. Number 11. Did you wait and hope for the salvation? Did you fortify yourself in B'tochon and Hashem? After it's become clear to a person that it's inappropriate for him to have confidence in any creature, he should see to it to place his confidence in Hashem. For this is the one This is one of the mitzvahs of the Torah, Indeed, at the time of divine judgment, they will ask him, did he await salvation? In other words, they will ask him if he waited for salvation and did not giving up hope of getting it, but rather strengthened himself in his reliance on Hashem with regard to everything that arose with him during his lifetime. Number 12. One who relies on Hashem profits in this world and the world to come. One who relies on Hashem will gain in two ways. In this world, he will obtain whatever he is lacking, As the Pusach says, Hashem will not bring hunger upon the souls of the righteous. In addition, his reward will be great in the world to come, for this is the fundamental principle regarding all mitzvahs, that there is no reward for mitzvahs in this world. All the benefit that a person receives in this world are merely fruits of the mitzvah which he eats in this world, whereas the principle remains in the world to come, the world that is entirely good. Number 13. The obligation to expend effort is merely a decreed punishment and a means to prevent sin. Now in truth, it is not appropriate for a perfect human being to have to make efforts in any type of productive activity, for all his needs should have been made available to him without excursion. As was the case with Adam, the first man, before he committed the sin of eating from the tree of knowledge, for whom angels would roast meat and strain wine, as it says in sanhedrin only after man sinned was it decreed upon him by the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread for he was punished that he would have to exert himself in order to attain his needs the need for him to do something to obtain his needs was in the category of the punishment had he not sinned he would have to do nothing at all to obtain them furthermore another reason for after automate from the tree of knowledge it became necessary for him to require, be required to work is that a proclivity for evil and desire was added to him. And therefore, if the situation had remained as it was previously where he had to make no effort he would have been free to use all of his time solely for sin. As the sages said, the idleness leads to immorality. Therefore, ex- exertion was decreed upon a man. In keeping with the sage's statement, Torah study, together with work, is good, since the effort of doing both of them makes sin forgotten. Rav ben says, Have you ever seen a wild animal or a beast that has a craft, yet they're sus- sustained without suffering? Now they were created only to serve me, while I was created to serve my master. Is it not logical, then, that I should be sustained without suffering? So why must I work for my daily bread? However, the answer is that I have corrupted my deeds and thus lost my right to toil free sustenance. Therefore, ever since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, must, man must actively engage in some pursuit in order to obtain a livelihood. Number 14. Effort is futile. It is, however, the decree of the king. Yet, despite the need for a person to make efforts to provide for his needs, a person must understand that all his ashtalas does not help him at all in achieving his aims. For it was Hashem who determined his livelihood. Rather than engaging in these activities, he should merely be like one who is fulfilling the decree of the king. Because that is what Hashem has decreed upon him, that he will not send him sustenance except after exertion. As our sages said in the Mishnah, man is born for toil. It's Hashem's decree, Hashem's decree that if a man does not toil, he will not eat. After a man has done what is incumbent upon him, he has paid his debt by engaging in some occupation. He should then rely on Hashem that he will make his sustenance available for him. Number 15. Tzadikim merit receiving all their needs with no effort. Therefore, we find that when circumstances arose that made it impossible for, for Tzadikim to obtain their sustenance by natural means, their sustenance later came to them without any cause, as in the case of Eliyohanavi, who was sustained through ravens, and of Shimon bar Yochai, who a carob tree was created in the cave. Number 16. When there are no natural means for effort to succeed, there is no obligation to expend any effort. And therefore, when a person has no means through which to attain any sustenance, he should not be discouraged by this, because once the gates of obligatory efforts have been locked for him, he becomes exempt from this obligation, and he should simply rely on Hashem to provide him his needs. Number 17. Rely on Hashem even when it seems to go against the law of nature. For even if, God forbid, a misfortune is near, and a person has no idea how he can be saved, nevertheless, he should understand the ways of Hashem are hidden from the eyes of man and the salvation of of Hashem can come instantaneously at the blink of an eye. As it says in the Passach, were he to kill me, I would still yearn for him. Even if a sharp sword is resting on a person's neck, he should not refrain from prayer. Likewise, it says Hashem brings death and gives life. He lowers to the grave and raises up. For Hashem raises people up even from the remote regions of the world. The person should remember the incident of Yonah Yonah the prophet, who was thrown into a raging deadly sea and was still saved from drowning. Similarly, if enemies rose up against him to harm him, he should not lose hope. It says, Hashem favors a man's ways, even his foes will make peace with him. Similarly, it's written in regards to a man's sustenance. Hashem impoverishes and enriches. And it's written, cast upon Hashem your burden and he will sustain you. Hashem is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He should also remember that our forefathers journeyed in the wilderness for 40 years and they lacked nothing. Number 18, success is not dependent upon the means used to succeed. Likewise, with regard to all situations that arise for him, he should trust Hashem will take care of his needs. And when one has engaged in some occupation and was successful, he should understand that it was not the means that he employed that brought about the profit, rather to the contrary. The prophet that had been decreed for him is what led to the means becoming available to him so that the outcome desired by Hashem be resulted. This idea that the result he desires to bring about the means to obtain that result is what our sages of blessed memory had in mind when they said in Medjash on the verse, It happened at the end of two years to the day Paro was dreaming. This is the meaning of what is written. He sets a limit in the darkness. The Medrash explains, Hashem fixed an amount of time for Yosef how many years he would exist in darkness, and the prison. And once the time arrived, Paro dreamt a dream setting in motion Yaakov's release. Our sages wish to refute a, a, a misconception that one should not say that Paro's dream brought about Yosef's release from prison. Rather, the fact that the time for Yosef's release from prison had arrived is what caused Pyro to dream his dream. And so it is with everything that appears to be a result of a certain cause. That result which is desired by Hashem causes a means to be made available to the person through which he will achieve the result that Hashem had in mind for him. Number 19, the inverse relationship between relying on Hashem and having to toil for one's needs. This too a person a person should understand that as he lessens his business dealings and strengthens himself in Betochan, so will the need for exertion be lessened, as Hashem will prepare his needs for him through an easy and clean trade. On the other hand, the more a person increases his eshtadlus and plunges into those efforts and makes them primary in his mind, correspondingly, Hashem provides his livelihood only after he exerts himself much effort. This is the line with this with the statement of our sages that said just as you are with me so shall i be with you for free will is given to man to choose good or god forbid the opposite and a man can choose to what extent he fulfills the mitzvahs of the tochen if a person makes the righteous choice to have a high level of tochen he has earned the high level of hashem's being with him and he will not have to do much Twenty. Why are there few obvious miracles in recent generations? The following is the reason why there are few obvious miracles in these generations, whereas in earlier generations there were many obvious miracles. For when there is the innovation of some miracles, everyone is forced to admit that the earth and its fullness are Hashem's and free will is oblivated. It was only due to the extraordinary level of spiritual qualities and faith of the earlier generations, and based on that level which they achieved in their divine service, a level on which no doubts could enter their hearts anymore about Hashem's existence, that He showed them this type of miracles. Since the miracle did not make their service any stronger than it had been previously, as was the case with Reb Hanina Ben Dosa who said, the only the one who commanded oil to burn will command vinegar to burn as well. The miracle of the vinegar burning did not strengthen the faith of Rabchanina at all because however much his faith might have been strengthened throughout the miracle, he had already achieved this level on his own on his in his divine service. The miracle therefore had no effect on his free choice. however, in this generation and ours which is on a low spiritual level, even a small small miracle would enforce the faith and reliance on Hashem in a person's heart. Therefore, if a person would see a miracle with his own eyes, it would counter free will, because he would essentially be compelled to believe in Hashem. For this reason, open miracles have been diminished, and the beneficiary of a miracle does not recognize the miracle that occurs to him, as the miracles that occur in our times are usually not obvious. This is the reason why our sustenance comes to us because of our many sins only through much exertion. For Hashem sends us sustenance wrapped and covered in the covering of labor in order that it should not be evident to all that the Creator is nourishing and sustaining all living beings. However, in truth, exertion and labor are merely an eye covering so that people will not see the exaltedness of Hashem. As our sages have said i have corrupted my deeds and therefore forfeited my sustenance but labor actually does not accomplish anything as our sages said neither does poverty come from one's trade nor wealth comes from one's trade only the blessings of hashem make one rich the reader should not think that there is no need for work for to the contrary it is the will of the holy torah that every person should benefit from the labor of his hand As our sages said in Brachas, greater is one who benefits from the labor of his hand than one who fears heaven. And thus we will find in the Midrash, when Avram came to the land of Israel and found the people there plowing, he said, may it be that my portion will be in this land. Similarly, in regards to Yitzchak, it says, Yitzchak planned. Rather, the intent is that a person should understand that work itself does not accomplish anything except through Hashem's blessing. Number 21. Improper effort. In the the light of the above, one can understand the error of people who engage in ishtadlis that does not follow the way of the Torah. Engaging in activities that involve a tainted a taint of robbery, cheating, and other forbidden things, regarding which the scripture says they hatched Adler eggs. Now if you ask if you ask him why are you doing so, he will admit that he is not acting properly. But his response is that he is compelled to act as he does, that he is forced to act in this manner because of the difficulty of earning a livelihood. However, in truth, the answer is misleading, for in fact, it's only because he engages in such forbidden matters that he brings about that he has no other means of livelihood. If he would not engage in this kind of activity, Hashem would make available to him a proper means of earning a livelihood. A lack of livelihood is not the cause of improper behaviors. Rather, improper behavior has caused people not to obtain their livelihoods except through such repugnant methods. The more a person purifies his deeds and increases his reliance on Hashem, the less he will have to toil in order, order to attain his needs in a proper and upstanding way. This serves as the explanation on the following Midrash in Medrash Praiseworthy is the man who has made Hashem his reliance. This refers to Yosef, and did not turn to the arrogant, since Yosef said to the chief butler, if only you would remember me. Two years added to added for him in prison, one year for each of the expressions. The explanation is that Yosef, on a, such a great level of B'tachon, should have understood that his salvation from the Egyptian prison would not come about through the promise of deceit and, deceitful and arrogant men. He should have relied only on Hashem. Number 22. The Way for the Upright to Act in Times of Difficulty The following is a guideline for the upstanding person. When he encounters some distress, God forbid, or a shortage of sustenance, he should not increase his ashtalas, rather he should examine his improper deeds that have brought him to this situation. As our sages said, if a person sees that afflictions are befalling him, he should investigate his deeds. He should repent from his evil deeds. He should pour forth his supplication before Hashem that he should rescue him to a broad space from his distress. As it says in Masech Nida, what should a person do to become rich? He should pray to the one who wealth and property belongs. He should fortify his heart with betachan and his hope that Hashem will help him. He should confirm in his heart that there is no other than Hashem who will seek to help him. As has been explained in Sefer Nefesh HaChayim, if someone, God forbid, finds himself in a state of distress, he should contemplate the complete and utter unity of the Creator, and there is none beside him. And then all heavenly judgments and accusations against him will automatically be removed, and no harm will come to him. As stated in the scripture, I made you, I will bear you, I will carry you, and I will rescue you. Number 23, the ideal reliance on Hashem. The following attributes are what define a superb b'teach, one who firmly relies on Hashem. He should not merely demonstrate betachen with his actions by minimizing the work he does to obtain his needs, while his heart is actually full of desires. For such a person does not rely on Hashem in his heart. And the primary betachen is what's in the heart. As it says, On him my heart relies. Therefore, it's necessary that his heart and desires be calm and tranquil as well and he should have no longing in his heart, but rather willingly accept whatever Hashem sends his way. He should be so fortified in his betachen that Hashem will do whatever is necessary for his benefit, that he abandons his own desires and wants only whatever Hashem will choose for him to do. His sole desire is what Hashem would choose for him to do, because there is no one who knows what's best for a person like the Creator, and furthermore, no creature has the ability to help him besides the Creator. It is therefore appropriate for the perfected person to submit his desire to the hand of the one who knows what is best for him and able to help him. And whatever Hashem will do for him, the person should accept with joy, and he should rely that Hashem certainly did it for his benefit. That was the level of those Talmidim, those Tanayim, who used to say, whatever the merciful one does, he is for the good. This is also the meaning of the Pasuk, remove my shame that I was afraid, for your ordinance are good. King David pleaded that God should forgive him for the shame of having been afraid. For since all that Hashem does is for good, he should not have been afraid at all. Number 24. Besides having fulfilled the mitzvah, one who relies on Hashem is saved from several sins. Now, a feature of betachin, aside from fulfilling the mitzvah, is that one derives a a further benefit as well. For the person who has consummated reliance on Hashem will be saved from several serious transgressions. He will be safe from the sin of flattery. The person who fully relies on Hashem will also be saved from the trait of envy, regarding which it is written, envy brings rotting to the bones. For since it has become absolute in his heart that whatever the merciful one does is entirely for his ultimate benefit, there is no longer any room for envy. Just as a sick person would not complain about a doctor for giving him a certain medicine while giving his friend a different medicine, Since the doctor recognizes the nature of each patient and his illness, and gives each one the medicine that he needs to be cured, the person who fully relies on Hashem will also be saved from all the transgressions between man and his fellow in monetary manners, such, such as robbery, cheating, false weights, and measurements and interest. Having reliance on Hashem also serves to distance a person from the trait of stinginess and leads him to generosity, it also brings him to love God and cleave on to him, since a person who relies on someone will not stop thinking about the one who he relies. Number 25. The choice is yours. Toil in Torah or toil in mundane matters. Now the scripture has stated a cardinal principle. Man was born for toil. And our sages stated in the, in the Mishnah, if he merits, it will be the toil of Torah. If he does not merit, it will be the toil of worldly matters. For indeed, man was created primarily for the purpose of engaging in strenuous effort and toil. But the choice is up to him as to which type of toil he will choose. For if he will toil in Torah, he will not need to engage in the mundane toils of the world. As our sages stated in Masech the Savos, anyone who accepts upon him the yoke of Torah, the yoke of serving the government, and the yoke of worldly matters are removed from him. And whoever casts off the yoke of Torah... From himself as merely replacing the yoke of Torah with the yoke of earning a livelihood. Our sages stated toil and toil and receive divine reward whereas those who do not engage in Torah study toil and do not receive divine reward)